Father, we love you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. It's because you first loved us that we love you, that we get to know you. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, for your willingness to send him to be our, to be our sin bearer, to be the lamb. Lord, thank you that you were willing and, and that Christ was willing and that, Lord, your wrath over our sin was satisfied at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus. Thank you for his death. We think about our sin putting him on that cross and, and provoking your wrath and it, it, it becomes unbearable to think about, but thank you. Thank you for your willingness. Thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Thank you that we serve a living Savior. Thank you that he is risen, the conqueror of death, the grave, our sin. Thank you for the ability to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born again, to know you, to be called your, your children, to call you Father. Uh, what a wonderful privilege that is. And Lord, we wanna, we wanna see more souls saved and more disciples made. And, and we're not satisfied with a church plan across town and a team in Tampa, a, a church in Tampa, a, 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 a church plant in Boston or, or Denver, Dallas or, or Nairobi or Vietnam. Or, Lord, we want the nations. Lord, we're a, we're a small people and uh, your word is very clear that we're qualified, that you might use us for your glory. Here we are, we're the, we're the weak and the, we're the foolish things of this world. And so God, uh, you, can, you can be glorified in and through us and we're so grateful. Uh, we're so grateful for that. And so Lord, would you just take the few minutes that we have left and, and just use them to, to continue to grow us in the ministry of prayer. Uh, we wanna be a praying people uh, Lord, we want to have what we ask because we're asking according to your will. And, and uh, Lord, we want you to be glorified. And so we lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, grab your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, were you looking or did you get that? Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I, I, I made a joke. I don't want anybody to be offended by it, you know. I said, okay, now it's just bandwagoning. Uh, if the bandwagon's right, jump on it, okay? Uh, you always want to do that. What are we doing in, uh, in Tuesday nights? Man, we, are, we, we need help. We have a time of need. Again, I've made this comment before. I'll keep making it. Everything that God calls us to is impossible for us to accomplish. We can't give anybody eternal life. We can't conform anyone to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't save a, we can't save a soul. We can't make a disciple, but God can work through us. We can be available. God can use us for his glory. And so don't we have need? How many of us know people that we love but if they died today, they would literally bust hell wide open. How many know someone who is lost, who is dear to you? But So don't we have need? We have desperate need. God, 
God has to use us because the people that we're connected to, without them hearing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, without the, the God of this world being bound so that their eyes can be opened and, and, and for them to see and perceive the hope of the gospel. I mean, except God moves, there's no hope. We have desperate need. So we have to recognize our need and then that moves us to pray. I think we pray best when we understand how, how desperate our need is. And when we see that the only answer is God, that God has to move, well then that will move us and we'll pray effectually, we'll pray fervently. So look at Psalms 27. Uh, the word of God and the spirit of God moves us to prayer and we see this through his word. He shows us two things, our human weakness and our need and God's promise of provision. Psalms 27 verse seven, hear O Lord when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou, didst, when thou saidst, seek my face. So there is God showing us our need, right? Lord, I'm crying with my voice, have mercy, have mercy. God said, seek my face. <laughs> it's your need that drives you to prayer. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Well, thank God, here we are in the age, the dispensation of grace, and, and uh, what is the promise of scripture to God's people? Uh, he's not gonna leave us or forsake us. We have eternal security. Christ is our life, it's in him that we live and move and have our being, but, but don't miss the principle here. Except God works in and through us as his people, we'll be like little children playing house. We go to church on Sunday and we do a lot of nice Christian things and our life accomplishes nothing for the glory, the eternal glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Except God builds the house, we labor in vain. And so, and so, so yes, Christ is in our life, but except God works in and through us. I don't wanna go through life with a form of godliness but no reality, no power. So God shows us the need. Now check out Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 57. See, the promise of Scripture is that God will move if we're asking in accordance to his will. Psalm 119, verse 57 says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me. How? According to thy word. Man, I thank God for the promises that he gives us as his people in his word. The promises of God are so encouraging. We talked last time about not being presumptive, uh, and yet we can in a sense, right? It's just this, this weird place that we're in where we can come boldly and find that God's throne is a throne of grace. We know the promises of God, and so we can ask. There can be a, a bold approach, yet at the same time, we recognize our absolute dependence on the Lord and, and what is the command of scripture. scripture. It's for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, right? We have to humble ourselves, and so we're, we're, not, we're not talking at God, we're not bossing God around, we don't wanna treat God worse than we would treat a perfect stranger. We're, we're, we're polite and respectful to strangers, aren't we? Uh, we wanna be polite and respectful to God, he is our Father. Uh, whenever you're dealing with a pastor, you're trying to get something straightened out, you don't, you don't yell at him, you don't rebuke him, you don't, you don't treat, I mean the Bible says you don't rebu rebuke an elder 
Rather, you entreat him as a father. Well, in a, in a, you know, in in terms of of biblical culture, the last thing that would ever happen is dad gets chewed out. You, I mean, you'd cut off your arm before you get sideways with dad, right? So what are you doing? You're entreating him as a father. Only you, God, right, can, can, can straighten out what is needed in our lives. Only you can work in and through your people. So we're not gonna come at you, bossing you around, telling you what, now we know your promises, we know what your word says, and so we can come boldly based on the promises of God, but we're gonna ask, right? This is, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, maybe you've been in churches or places where you hear people yelling at God, telling him what he has to do. Uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? That, be polite, he is the creator of heaven and earth, and if, you, if it's in him that you live and move and have your being, uh, you don't want him coming to the conclusion that you need to be humbled. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So real prayer, right? Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Real prayer doesn't come out of a heart that says, you know, I really should pray today. Instead, it comes out of a desperation that says, I must pray. I see the promises of God's word. I see what needs to take place. I must pray for the reality of God's word over my life. That's why we need Tuesday nights together. We need these times of earnest prayer because we have need. I mean, where is, where is the reality of 1 Corinthians 14, 25? Man, God has been... Uh, the last calendar year has been very fruitful for us, and I'm grateful, okay? But when was the last time a lost person stood up in one of our services and said, well, let me just look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 14, 25. The secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How often have you seen that happen at MBT where somebody comes in and just, like, God is in this place, and then they just fall down and worship and say, God, is in you of a truth. Now, that happens. It breaks my heart to think of the lost attending a service or attending one of our Bible studies or we encounter the lost when we go out, um, whether it's inviting people to a, a Creation to Christ Bible study or, or maybe we meet them on the street. They hear the gospel and they're like, meh. <laughs> Man, I don't want that to ever be the case where we're concerned. That whenever we preach the gospel, when we tell the good news, it's with the anointing, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit that the lost can see the reality of God's word over our lives. We need to be earnest in prayer because we have need and that need should drive us to prayer. You know, the, the, the will of the Lord for our friends and our family is very clear. First Timothy chapter two says, verse four, that God's will is to have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We've talked from time to time about uh, the promises of God in prayer. You know, in Matthew 18, when there's agreement in prayer, we have what we ask. Uh, where two or three are gathered, Christ is in the midst, right? He is in this place. And when we ask in agreement over what his word promises, we have what we ask. It may not be uh, in the details the way that we want it or on our timetable, but we have what we ask because we know the will of the Lord. Um, What then can hinder our prayer? Well, you know, 
two or three agree that that word there is, we transliterate that today into symphony, when there's harmony in prayer. What can hinder our prayer is whenever we're honking sour notes. Paul warned Timothy that unity in prayer can be hurt, and so he tells us in 1 Timothy 2.8, right, we wanna ask according to God's will. God's will is that all would be saved. 1 Timothy 2.8, then I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So you can honk a sour note in prayer. When we come together and we're praying for the lost, but you don't really, I mean, you, you know Joe Schmo. I mean, you really know them, and that, the last thing that dude's ever gonna do is come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that one is just too tough for God to get through, and you are honking sour notes in prayer, and it's grievous. Whenever the, let's say the worship team is, is leading us in worship and everything sounds real good, but then, you know, uh, Rosie's having a bad day and, and she's just, it's not harmony, it's, it's honking. And you don't, you, nobody ever says, and that just sounds awesome. No, it's like nails on a chalkboard, isn't it? And when we're praying, James says, let's ask, nothing doubting, Right, we're say, God, I know what your word says, but this is too tough a situation. I don't believe anybody's ever gonna break through there. And you are honking out sour notes in prayer, and that's disrupting the unity that we have in prayer. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? It's critical. Without wrath and doubting, this is the battle. You know, some of you, you could be tempted to view our times together in prayer cynically. Uh, they're, 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 they're praying. Sam's trying to get them to be honest in prayer, fervent in prayer. Uh, he's playing the emotional card, whatever, okay? What do you get emotional about? What, what do you get wound up over? Some of you, you get the most worked up when traffic is bad. I mean, you'll get incensed. You'll start praying. I mean, I don't know who to, but you're just, I mean, you're raising a fuss about traffic and pitching a fit. Your sports team's losing. And you start praying. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but you're yelling at the TV about how things aren't going right. I mean, what do you get emotional about? Is the only time that you lose it is when things aren't going your way. Well, I gotta tell you, there's a lot that doesn't go our way. There's so many people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we've tried to tell them, but it's like right over their head. We need the word of God to be understood, to be seen, to be heard. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? And you can't produce in and of yourself, I can't produce the power of the Holy Spirit when I open the word of God with someone. God has to do that through me. God has to do that through you. And if that doesn't make us desperate in prayer, well, you know, keep getting upset about sports, keep getting upset about the Chiefs, keep getting upset about, well, nobody's upset about the Chiefs right now. Keep getting upset about traffic. (laughs) Voice your prayers. God's people, if we recognize our need, we'll groan because we need to seek God's blessing. Has God blessed us as a local church? Man, he has. Don't we need more? Don't we need more blessing? Don't we need more of what God wants to do in and through us as his people? We need that desperately because that's everything except God build the house. We're like little kids playing house. There's a form there, but there's no reality. 
we're laboring in vain and we're holding services and we're having activity. But we need to see souls translated. We need to, be, we need to see saints matured. And, and, we, and we need God to do all that through us. Except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. So I gotta quote Spurgeon again. He says, there was once in a village where there had been a revival in religion, a man who was a confirmed infidel. Notwithstanding all the efforts of the minister and many Christian people, he had resisted all attempts and appeared to be more and more confirmed in his sin. At length, the people held a prayer meeting especially to intercede for his soul. Afterwards, God put it into the heart of one of the elders of the church to spend a night in prayer in behalf of the poor infidel. In the morning, the elder rose from his knees, saddled his horse, and rode down to the man's smithy. Uh, He was a blacksmith, okay? Rode down to the man's smithy, and he meant to say a great deal to him. He was gonna preach the gospel to him. But he simply went up to him and took him by the hand, and all he could say was, oh, sir, I am deeply, deeply concerned for your salvation. That's all he could say. I am deeply concerned for your salvation. He said, I've been wrestling with God all this night for your salvation. And he got choked up and he could say no more because his heart was too full. So he then mounted on his horse and rode away again. So down goes the blacksmith's hammer and immediately he goes to see his wife and she says, what's the matter with you? Matter enough, said the man. I've been attacked with a new argument this time. There is Elder, what's his name? He's been here this morning. He said, I'm concerned about your salvation. Why now, if he's concerned about my salvation, it is a strange, thing, a strange thing that I am not concerned about it. And the man's, this is the testimony, the man's heart was clean captured by that kind word from the elder. And he took his own horse and rode to the elder's house. And when he arrived there, the elder was in his parlor, still in prayer, and they knelt down together. And God gave him a contrite spirit and a broken heart and uh, brought the poor sinner to the feet of the Savior. And their soul was saved from death and the multitude of sins covered. Man, that's it. Where we wrestle to God over the desperate need in our life and in the lives of others. It pleases God to use the weak and foolish things of this world. Here's a guy that just said, I mean, he's, he, he had it in his head, I'm gonna pray all night and then I'm gonna go preach the gospel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one more try. Uh, for this guy's soul, and then he gets there and all he can do is just say, man, I'm just so desperate for you to know the Lord. And he's so choked up he can't say anything, and uh, so God brought the sinner to his feet. Spurgeon said, true prayer is an astonishing thing. Prevalent intercession, an amazing thing. And if you wanna see something that that will really thrill you with a holy wonder, attend a prayer meeting where the Holy Ghost is present in the fullness of his power, where the brethren pray, not as a mere matter of form. They're not just saying words at God, but it is filled with all the fullness of God. He said, and this is his testimony, he said, such meetings as we have had during the past week are things to marvel at. Behold, it has become a wonder for God's people to really cry. Ah, there are some of you to whom the weeping over sinners would be a novelty. Some of you professors to whom agonizing for souls would be a new thing. You do pray for sinners in your usual prayers, but you do not know what it is to to travail in birth for souls. You never feel as if your hearts would break if souls be not saved. 
You do not feel the burden of the Lord laid upon you till you are crushed in the dust and made to groan out, God, have mercy on these poor perishing souls. With some of you, it'd be a great wonder to really be on a blaze. And if we heard you cry, we would be compelled to say, behold, the voice of the cry of my people. Man, I wanna be a part of a people like that. That recognize apart from God answering prayer and making his word reality over our lives, we're like little kids playing house. There's a mommy and a daddy and none of it's true. And we're holding church services and we're coming together and man, I am not bitter, I am not unthankful. God has been nothing but good to us. This past calendar year has been one of the most fruitful for us on record. We've seen more people come to Christ. We've seen more disciples made. The Bible school is growing by leaps and bounds. I mean, God is blessing us, and yet I can't help but think there are so many souls, absent God working through us, they will bust hell wide open. And I tremble to think that in a lot of cases we're like, yeah. I tried to give that cat the gospel one time. He didn't want to hear it. It's on him, you know? I don't want the person who has treated me the worst in this life to spend eternity in hell. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want to be casual over the souls of men. And I don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and find out how much was lost because I, I wasn't importune, right? I wasn't instant, I wasn't, I wasn't pleading, uh, I wasn't engaged in necessary prayer. We have not because we ask not. Ask <laughs> and you shall receive, right? We need to knock. We want to trust the Lord that, that, that it would be open. And so, can I give you some homework as we close out right now? Would you, would you this week ask God to enlarge your heart for prayer? Would you, would you ask the Lord to help you to engage in, in actual prayer? You don't want to, you don't, I don't, we don't want to say words at God. We want to talk to our Father. Amen? And we want to ask him for what only he can do. We want to ask him for the promises of, uh, of the word, of his word, to be made reality in our life. Would you pray for an anointing on this pulpit, right? When we preach the word, when we open the word together as a church, that it would go in the power of God's Holy Spirit, that the lost would hear it and say of a truth, God is in this place. that they would confess their sin and call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray for our Sunday fellowships, that these would, be, would, these would be places where the word goes forward in the power of God's Holy Spirit, for our kid town ministry, that little kids would see the word of God for what it is, the word of the creator, the word of the living God, and that they would be blown away by this book. Would you pray for our disciplers? Would you pray for our Bible studies? Would you pray for, you know, we invite people to join our Bible studies and we go from Genesis to Jesus, from creation to Christ. 
Would you pray for those Bible studies? Hit the streets when people go out uh, to do confrontational evangelism. Would you pray for just uh, uh, open doors? <laughs> you know, for God to just to, for God to just set the path of the feet of every team that goes out so that we'd meet the people that we need to meet that need to meet Jesus. Amen? I love you. We're over time. Uh, you are dismissed.